You may be seated for our scripture readings. Our Old Testament reading today from the book of Amos in the sixth chapter. Woe to those who are at ease in Zion and to those who feel secure on the mountain of Samaria, the notable men of the first of the nations to whom the house of Israel comes. And from there go to Hamath the great, then go down to Gath of the Philistines. Are you better than these kingdoms? Or is their territory greater than your territory? O you who put far away the day of disaster and bring near the seat of violence. Woe to those who lie on beds of ivory and stretch themselves out on their couches and eat lambs from the flock and calves from the midst of the stall, who sing idle songs to the sound of the harp and like David invent for themselves instruments of music, who drink wine in bowls and anoint themselves with the finest oils but are not grieved over the ruin of Joseph. Therefore, they shall now be the first of those who go into exile. And the revelry of those who stretch themselves out shall pass away. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading today from uh, the first letter to Timothy in the sixth chapter. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Jesus Christ, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He, who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share those storing up treasure for themselves, or thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. This is the word of the Lord. I invite you to rise and honor the gospel. From Luke's Gospel in the 16th chapter. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. 
the rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things and Lazarus in like manner bad things, but now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And he said, Well, then I beg of you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, Well, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. This is the gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you give as you take care of our daily needs. We thank you for bringing us into this place where you give even more abundantly of your love and your grace and your mercy for us. We thank you for gathering us together into your presence and giving of your gifts, of your word, and the presence of your Son through bread and wine. We pray you move by your Spirit, remove distractions from our hearts and minds, and let us rest in your promise that you give to us in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Within our household, there is one who constantly, relentlessly, longs for scraps. His name is Bruce. He's our bulldog. And it does not matter where he's at in the house or if he's sleeping, which he does quite oftenly. If he hears pans hit the stove, his ears perk up. If he hears one of us walking through the kitchen and go, uh-oh, he's up. Because he thinks something has dropped on the floor. He thinks there might be something that just landed within his reach. And if you hear him moving through the house, there is no good getting in his way. Because he's not going to stop for you. In fact, he's going to challenge you even further. Trust me, I've tried to stop him. He does not stop. He is a 50-pound bowling ball on the run and there is nothing that is going to get between him and whatever it was that fell on the floor it doesn't even have to be food he eats first and asks questions later paper corn husks it really doesn't matter whatever it is he knows that if there's a scrap on the ground that's his territory and he's going for it and as we hear this gospel reading today and we hear of the different scenarios that are going on in this gospel reading, we can kind of wrap our heads around longing for scraps. First off, Jesus is telling this in this string of parables and he's been talking through different uh, financial situations with people and he's been pointing out riches in different ways and trust in different things and how we're either trusting in the monetary tangible things of the world or trusting in the mercy of someone who's in authority. And now it all comes to this culminating story 
And what's interesting is it doesn't necessarily say it's another parable. And there's so much detail with real people's names. It very well might be another parable of uh, Jesus using a story to teach. Or it's something that Jesus saw. There, it's kind of up in the air there. And either way, it doesn't matter. That's not one of the main details to dig into or worry about. But we hear of a rich man, someone who wore purple and fine linens. As a reminder, purple was something that was really hard to come by. Purple was a royal color. Purple, you had to go and find the right sea animal with the right stuff inside to get the right dye to make the purple clothing. And as you hear Paul talk about in his letters, uh, they would go and see Lydia, who was a dealer in purple goods, a maker of purple things. This was high finance stuff. Not everybody could get their hands on it. So those guys wearing purple and fine linens and feasted sumptuously every day. And laid at his gates was a man named Lazarus. Quick thing about the name of Lazarus. It's not the Lazarus that Jesus rose from the grave, but it's still the same name, just different Guy, Lazarus, if you were to take it from the Greek and move it into the Hebrew, it's Eleazar. And if you take that and move it into English, it's one who God helps. Which is kind of an interesting meaning to a name. One whom God helps. Lazarus laid there at the gates, longing for scraps from the guy's table. Imagine that. Walking down the road, longing for something in the dumpster behind a restaurant. Sitting out on the sidewalk, waiting for somebody to drop something. Being a busser in a restaurant and eating off of somebody else's plate because they hadn't finished what was on the plate. Longing for the scraps because it feels like you don't have any every day. As he sits there at the gates longing for the scraps, the dogs come to lick his sores. And we think... Oh, it's good puppies coming over to take care of the guy. Uh, different cultural setting. Dogs are seen more like we would think of rats. These dogs are realizing that there may be a meal there soon. These dogs are realizing that this guy's not well off, that he's near death. It's not a good situation for Lazarus at all. And the next moment we hear Lazarus does die, but the angels carry him off to heaven. Well, to Abraham's side. God has now picked him up, brought him in to this peaceful place, this present place with them. He's no longer longing for scraps anymore. There's nothing else that he is wishing for. He's not begging for anything anymore. And the rich man, though, also died, enters Hades, and from that place, he's now begging. Longing for scraps of mercy, longing for drops of water, longing for something to quench this heat and anguish that he's dealing with, longing for some sort of mercy from Abraham to come over and ease his pains. He's now the one begging. Go back into Reformation history a little bit and you follow Martin Luther as he went on through his life, there was a moment at which he died. And in his pocket, as they found crumpled up and held on to in his hand, was a little scrap of paper that just said, we're all beggars, this is true. 
See, it doesn't really matter if you have money or you don't have money. When the focus is on money, the focus is in the wrong spot. There's plenty of those who sit in the sidewalks and on the curbs and under the underpasses who feel that money is going to be the solution to everything that is weighing on them. I know in trips through India, when the one time that we got to go, uh, you would see children, littles, little children coming up to the cars, coming up to the buses, begging, asking for money. And we were strictly directed to not give anything. Because that money actually wasn't going into their hands. It wasn't going to fix their situations. They were begging, absolutely, but that money was going to go into hands of folks that only put them into worse spots so that they would be able to beg more uh, deeply, I guess, to withdraw sorrow from people in an even stronger sense. And so the focus on the simple finances of things isn't necessarily the answer. Even if the rich man had given everything that was off of his table to Lazarus, but was only doing it to make himself look better in whatever sense, he would not have been in any other spot than where he ended up ultimately anyway. See, because his trust was in the wrong spot. He ended up a beggar, just like all of us before God. Doesn't matter how much we have or don't have. It doesn't matter how we use it or don't use it necessarily. When our focus is in the wrong spot, we don't hear the words of God. When we don't hear Moses and the prophets who pointed forward to a Savior, a Messiah, the Christ, and Jesus, if we don't hear those words pointing forward to Jesus and we don't look back on what he has done as one risen from the dead for us, then we even miss the point. We all end up beggars before God, longing for scraps of forgiveness, of mercy, of grace. And yet even in that begging now, God comes to us and says, yeah, but my child, I give you everything. I gave you all the words and Moses and the prophets who point forward to Christ and now you've seen him risen from the dead and you see them, I promise, as sure and certain and everything is yours. All that I have, the entire kingdom, it's yours, free because of Jesus. He's the one that earned it and won it. He's the one that then turns around and gives it absolutely freely so that no matter what station we find ourselves in life, we know that God fulfills his promises to us in Christ. That we aren't longing for scraps of mercy or grace. That's been handed over to us absolutely freely. And we see that everything that comes to us each day and everything that he brings to us in life is something that is from his hands. So we get to share it freely, knowing that it doesn't earn us anything before God, but that it's simply something that we get to do to take care of the folks that are around us. What a beautiful free gift that we get to give, knowing that God has given everything to us. Those simple acts of mercy are beautiful, but they open up even another door to be able to talk to someone about where that mercy comes from, where that grace comes from ultimately. It's just handing things out is good, but there's a lot of folks who don't have any Christian faith at all, who take care of their neighbor in an amazing and wonderful way and share with one another in such a beautiful way, yet they have not heard God's word for them. They have not heard God's forgiveness for them in Jesus. They have not heard 
of all that he has done throughout history and throughout time to give to them the riches of the kingdom of forgiveness and Christ's righteousness. And you have that freely. You don't need to earn it at all. It's already yours and all that Christ has done for you. So as you look at those days ahead, we give thanks to God for all that he gives to take care of our daily bread. And as Paul writes to Timothy, you know, we hear how whether there's a lot or a little, we learn to be content knowing that God has given us everything necessary for eternal life. And so as things come in and blessings come, there's such a temptation to say, look, I must be absolutely loved by God because I have all these things. And the other side of that is folks saying, I must not be loved by God because I don't have all these things. And that is such a mistaken view of God's love. Now, God does give good things. Absolutely. We know that all good things come from Him. Yet his love is not always shown in this temporal time and place. But his promise to fulfill eternity, his promise to fulfill his promise, I guess, of bringing us into eternity through Christ, is what we hold on to. That promise that he gave through Moses and the prophets, the promise that he put an exclamation point on in Christ, the promise that he is coming back to gather you together into his presence. That's what we look forward to, knowing that we are not beggars anymore, but that we have the riches of the kingdom already handed to us now, knowing that everything has been given to us because of Jesus. He is the one who makes you rich in spiritual things, and he is the one that cares for you in all things. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have given us in Christ. That though we come to you begging for forgiveness each and every week and sometimes each and every day, we hear your words of forgiveness so richly given by your mercy through your grace for us in Jesus. And we praise you for that. Longing for that righteousness. Longing for that day where we will be in your presence and all the things that are hurtful will be done away with and that there will not be any lack any further. And we... Pray, Lord, that you would come quickly, that you would take away all the burdensome things, and that you would lift up your creation and bring us into eternity with you. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to rise as you are able, and we will sing.